Well, I do want to give you an update and, and then speak into the, the moment a little bit. Uh, the, we as a church family are currently pursuing a piece of property. We had a vote last week. We had 91% of our people vote in favor of purchasing property and um, everything is moving forward. We have an accepted offer. We have attorneys that have reviewed the contract and are drafting finalized versions of it and uh, we're, we're moving in that direction. And you might say, Core, that feels so weird. In fact, that was one of the most abrupt transitions in the life of church. And if you've been a part of churches before, you know they're awful transitions. So you might be thinking, how do, how do these things go together? How do we pray for Afghanistan? How do we pray for Haiti? And then we talk about buying a building. And I just want to show you where the Lord has led me this week. And so I'm going to give you a little mini sermon right now. This is not the real deal. This is like a buy one, get one free kind of arrangement. But this is Jeremiah chapter 32. And I want to show this to you and just show some of the lessons that I'm learning in this season. Jeremiah 32, God speaks to a prophet named Jeremiah and he says, buy a field. And Jeremiah is like, excuse me, God, this is the, the wrong time to be considering property. But God tells him, I want you to buy a field. And he does that, but the problem is the, uh, there's an there's a, uh, enemy army that's probably camped out on it. So it has no value. And in fact, you might even say, that's kind of a silly thing to do in a season like that. But three things kind of come up, three lessons that I observed from Jeremiah chapter 32. The first one is a lesson about cultural engagement. How are believers supposed to engage with culture? What does it look like for us to interact with a cultural moment? And one of the things that I see, especially in Jeremiah 32, is that a truly prophetic voice is sometimes out of step with the cultural moment. Meaning, if you're going to engage with a cultural moment, if you're following God, there will be occasions, I can't say this is all the time, I can't say this is every time, but it certainly happens sometimes where when you are following God, you are out of step with what's happening in the world. So for Jeremiah, it shows up initially in the season of prosperity. Everything's going well for the Israelites. They're comfortable. They've got all kinds of advantages. Uh, socially, the, the religious stuff is going on just fine for them. They're happy about it. And Jeremiah, in that season of prosperity, is saying, destruction's coming. And they're saying, no, it's not, dude. Look at us. We're just fine. We're happy. Look at us. We're doing well. And he's calling people to repent and turn to God. He's out of step with the cultural moment. In fact, we see it in Jeremiah 32, verse 3. This is the king saying to Jeremiah, verse 3, why do you prophesy as you do? You say, this is what the Lord says, I'm about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon and will capture it. Why do you talk like that, dude? We're fine. We're happy. We're, everything's going well. Why do you have a message of destruction for us? So he's out of step initially, but then when destruction does come, he's also out of step. He moves beyond that word of warning to a word of hope. And that actually is surprising to people. He says, trust God, he will restore. Trust in God, better days are ahead. And so even Jeremiah is a bit surprised by this one. It shows up in Jeremiah 32, verse 25. It reads like this, and though the city will be given into the hands of the Babylonians. You, sovereign Lord, say to me, buy the field with silver and have the transaction witnessed. He's like, I can't even believe this, but you're asking me to go buy a piece of property right now when the Babylonian army is right on top of it. This is a bit silly. 
but he's recognizing that there's a day of hope ahead. And in fact, this is a prophetic foreshadowing of what's to come, but he has moved beyond that word of warning and destruction to the word of hope and God's goodness. And it is contrary to the moment. In fact, in verses 36 and following, it reads like this. You, everyone, everyone's kind of saying this about the city. By the sword, famine, and plague, it will be given into the hands of the king of Babylon. But this is what the Lord says. The God of Israel says, I will surely gather them, my people, from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. It's a word of hope. It's a word of future reality that they get to look forward to. But in that moment, it feels inappropriate. Look, they're coming. They're raiding us. They're destroying us. We're, we're suffering here. And, and Jeremiah is not belittling the experience. He's not, you know, pretending that this is not an emotional and, and devastating reality that they're going through. He, he wrote the book of Lamentations. He feels all of it. He acknowledges the pain and the hurt and the disappointment. He himself feels all of that, but he's able to look beyond it and say, there is a day of hope coming, and we now need to turn the corner and start to look in that direction with confidence and faith in God's ability. I'll show it to you from a complimentary passage. Most of us are familiar with Jeremiah 29. It's one that we quote all the time, and it's a good one. Uh, it talks about how God, we, you know, we know that God has a plan for us, a hope and a future, a hope to bless us, a hope to prosper us. We, we quote Jeremiah 29 because of this reality that it points to, and we love that part of the verse. We import that part, but we often leave off the context. What's the context in Jeremiah 29? Judgment has come. They're in exile. Jeremiah says, get used to this. 70 years like this. And he's saying the same thing. Here's what he's saying. Buy fields, build houses, Plant vineyards, get married, get comfortable. This is the new reality. Invest in the moment. Seek the prosperity of the city to which you have been carried because God is going to do good things for you eventually. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to give you a future and a hope and to give you prosperity. That's, that's the context of Jeremiah 20, 29, 11. It's, it's the... Coming to a place where we say, there are better days ahead. We're in a moment right now that's very, very difficult, but there are better days ahead. So, lesson number one is a lesson on cultural engagement. I, I wonder if it is time for the church to stop sounding a lot like the talking heads in society and to start having a prophetic voice that God is on the move. He is at work in our world. This is awful, and we feel all of it, but we believe that God is going to do something incredible, and we're a part of his community of faith that has confidence in that. So the second lesson, then, is the theological lesson. There's a reality behind this conviction. Here's what he says in verse 17 of Jeremiah 32. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. We look at the moment and we look at the brokenness in our world right now and we can, we can assess it and we can go, there, this is impossible. This is, this is so broken, so messed up, so discouraging. I can't imagine how it could possibly get better. And God says, I have a plan. I, I can do something about this. Nothing is impossible 
for God. Nothing is too hard. He will bring about his judgment, which is indicated in verse 32 and 33. The people of Israel and Judah have provoked me by all the evil they've done. They've turned their backs to me and not their faces, though I taught them again and again. They would not listen or respond to discipline. There's a word of judgment, but there's also that word of hope. And in verses 36 and following, God is making this incredible promise of restoration, an unparalleled restoration for the people of God. We'll put it up on the screens and you can track with with me there. It says, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I will surely gather them from all the lands where I banish them in my furious anger and great wrath. I will bring them back to this place and let them live in safety. They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will go well for them and for their children after them. I will make them an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so they will never turn away from me. I will rejoice in doing good and will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. That is incredible. God is saying, I'm going to do something spectacular. They will be restored completely. So there's a theological reality that God can do this and intends to do this and nothing is too hard for him. So here's the third lesson. Start acting like it. That's what Jeremiah does. He It's a lesson of obedience. He starts to act in faith. He actually makes that transaction. He takes his resources and he he says, okay, I'm going to buy this field. And he makes that transaction with that family member. He buys that field. He has that deed uh, deposited and witnessed and all of these different things. He acts in faith. That's where we're at now. Church family, we need to begin to obey with faith. We need to begin to, to preach to our own hearts. God is at work. Nothing is too difficult for him. Better days are ahead by his grace and by his goodness. Let's live like that. Let's be engaged in the moment, in our world, with hope, with anticipation, and with confidence in what God is going to do. And therefore, let's worship. And so I'm going to invite the band to come and get set, and we're going to worship right now. And um, we're going to declare, much like Jeremiah did, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Church family, if you would, stand with me and we'll sing. We're going to declare that God is able. And even as we consider purchasing a property in an unusual season, we're we're saying, you know what? God's at work and we're going to follow him and we're going to trust him. And nothing is too hard for him. Let's sing.